You guys are now tuning into the Ace Podcast. Again, um, so I'm still getting used to this whole uh, podcasting thing. Really great for, for me. Um, yeah, not too many, uh, not too bad. I like to, you know, we're slowly by slowly. This is my third episode. Um, in about two weeks. Again, um, I'm not even going to try to do introductions anymore because... I think out of all the things on the podcast, I think I'm, I suck at doing introductions. Like, introducing, like, every time I try to do it, it's, uh, it goes pretty bad. So, so I'm not going to bother. Again, this is, uh, this is Ace Podcast, again. And that's it. This is pretty much the third episode. Again, I don't have any sponsor. Maybe if I had a sponsor, like sponsored by, I don't know, such and such. It made me feel not as awkward. Oh, whenever I do introductions, like weird. Like I do everything else but do the introduction and the ending. It's like, uh, what do I say next? You know, but again, uh, you know, I need some tips on that as far as the introduction. As far as what we're going to go over today, um... Again, uh, I want to address my thoughts on the Kareem Hunt situation, a football player who uh, nine months ago got caught up with uh, hitting a woman on, on a, what is it, on video. He got caught up, uh, again, hitting her, and the Cleveland Browns had signed my thoughts on that, on that whole situation. Also, too, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going away from sports today. I'm not totally away from sports, but we'll touch on... Uh, topic: Does religion break up families? My take on that, as well. My experience with that, as well. And um, what's my viewpoint on that? Um, one thing I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I like to get to something really personal with me. Okay, so here it goes. My story is: I'm married with. Two kids. One is my stepson, and the other, I have a daughter that's about a year and a half, and I have a wife. Going on three years of marriage now, and it's it's good. But I gotta, you know, you know, my father used to tell me, you know, it's not easy, and some of the decisions a lot of men made. I understand why they made them. Doesn't mean I will make the same decisions, but I understand it now. You know, I understand how hard it is to be to be a father of a household, to be a dad. Like the grasping of like it's really is once you realize the concept and of it and the responsibility and the role of it of being a father and a husband. It's a lot that comes with it. It's a lot. With that being said, um, again, this is just me. Voicing about my opinion. This is not me, you know, screaming out for help or anything like that, people. Again, it's just my take. And I don't know if other husbands or fathers feel like this in my situation. Sometimes when I come home from work, sometimes I just say, you know what? I don't feel like going home today. (laughs) I don't, again, this has nothing to do with not loving my wife or not loving my kids. It's just... You know, I don't know, take a drive to Key West. You know, take a drive. I live in Miami, so Key West is like three hours away. So I just want to take a drive, a smooth drive to Key West. You know, 
go on vacation a couple of days and come back. It's just, it's just that way. Like, it's just, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. But you got to, again, do, uh, make sure, you know, your kid is doing his homework. Got a kid, another, the other child running around because she's about almost two years old. You know, it's just a lot that comes with it, you know, and then your wife, you know, and and the relationship, our relationship has to be intact as well. So you have to balance and manage all those things in order. And it could be stressful. You know, it could be really stressful. See, I'm not going to be like these uh, politically correct dads and be like, you know, no, you know, I always want to be around that family. I always want to be, you know, like this. I always want to. Listen, I'm not those types. I tell you. And if my kids ever were to hear this, they'll understand once they have their own families. You know, I'm never going to... Again, I don't... This is not me saying I don't love them. This is not me saying I hate them. This is not me saying anything about them in particular. It's just... It's just what comes with it. It's just what... It is what it is. Like, um, again... You deal with a lot when you're a husband, you know, and I, that was, I think the part with me, you know, a lot of men, particularly I'll say men, because they don't realize that when you get into a marriage, you have to, you know, you don't live for you anymore. You live for the other people in your household, you know, you live for, for them. Like you have to take the lead in making sure everybody else's needs and wants, necessary wants is satisfied. And a lot of that, see, we all live, we, we, before we get married, we're living for ourselves. So we don't know what true sacrifice, at least I didn't. I didn't know what true sacrifice is like, you know? I didn't know that until, until I got married and had kids. And now it's like, man, I want to go to the gym, but. And you, I still can't go to the gym, but it's limited. Everything is scheduled. You know, if you want to go use the bathroom, that has to be scheduled. You know, if you... Then that's just the case. That, that's just really... And that's a transition I'm... It just... That's just a transition I'm going through. And, again, I'm just sharing my thoughts because maybe plenty of you... And this doesn't have to go for men or, like, husbands. This goes for women, too, that have that deal with motherhood and... Physically, too, you know, and mentally, women go through a lot more transitional phases because at least with men, they don't go through anything, I don't know, body-wise. I mean, physically, they don't go through any changes. Women go through mentally and physically. So I just don't want to make it, you know, I just don't want to, you know, seem like men are the only ones that go through anything because women go through quite a bit as well, if not more. Um... Yeah, this is interesting from a father's perspective because, see, fathers or men never speak on these type of things. They don't, it's okay to say, man, you know, this is a lot for me. A lot of them would just run and not deal with it or we'll deal with it, but we'll keep everything hidden inside because they feel like it's not their place to be the one to express these type of feelings because it makes them seem weak. I don't, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I don't feel that way. I feel like, again, I owe it to myself to do this. And maybe, again, 
men that are around my age or older, younger, whatever, that deal with this, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel like, oh, man, I got to step in the house. It's okay to take a drive in your car and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the bar first, chill there for 30 minutes, and then go home. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. It's not a big deal, people. You know, people have to understand that, you know, it's, it's a lot. And the reason why I don't feel bad for how anybody feels is because really they're going to go through it. You know, funny, my father tells me, well, you know, he sees me. It was beautiful, man. So last month I went and saw my father with my granddaughter for the first time. He, you know, with my granddaughter. So the first time he's seen his granddaughter since she's been born. And, you know, we were around our father's place. She was running all over the place. And my father you know, sees me running after her and stuff like that. And he just smiles. And I ask him, what are you smiling about? And he tells me, it's hard, isn't it? At that point, man, I wanted to give him a hug and, <laughs> and, say, and you know, just say a yes. And, you know, but I played it cool. And I said, oh, you know, everything's fine. You know, and everything is fine. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of it was like, yes. <laughs> Yes, you know, it's just a lot to deal with. It's just a lot of burden, a lot of things to deal with. I think a lot of times, too, people hear this and it's like, oh, you got to break up with her. People's immediate response is, you have to break up or something is wrong. No, this goes with it. You know what I mean? Like, this goes with it. I'm always going to be stressed about this. You know what I mean? Just to make time for anything. You know, when you have kids and you have a wife and you have, you know... Is 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 hard on I you know it's not just hard on me too it's hard on my wife, and you know it's just from it's just that way now you know what I mean so again for anybody that's ever felt that way listen you're not you're not in this alone. Key West, take a drive. If you live up north, take a drive to Atlantic City. <laughs> you know, like parents need a break. Like people need a break. From, from that and I think a lot of times we don't express that so it's like you know we go crazy and the, and, and the, everything just keeps going keeps going and going and going until one day one of us breaks down you know but I'm not going to be one of those so that's just my thing and you know that's just my thoughts on on that I just find, find a transition of me being single to me being married now with kids it's quite intriguing you know, when you're single, you know, you wake up in the morning, you wake up, you know, you brush your teeth, you cook yourself something, you know, maybe you eat, your, you eat yourself some, I don't know, waffles or something frozen because you don't have to cook for anybody. You know, you go out, you work out, you chill and you call your friends over. If you don't want anything to do with people, you don't have to do that either. Um... You know, you have no responsibility. You don't owe anybody any responsibility. You probably live with another roommate, not by yourself. It's an easy transition. It's a very easy transition. I mean, it's a very easy, not transition, it's a very easy lifestyle. Fast forward two, three years later, you know, eventually you become married. Okay, that's an adjustment. Then kids. And then before you know it, you're 30 years old like me. And, you know, you're not... You're not, the, not that you're not cool, but you're not like, you're not, I don't know, you're not as, uh, 
I don't know, you, you, you don't play sports as you used to, you know, your life changes. And I'm not saying this in a negative way or any type of way. I'm just telling the situation. So it's just interesting to go through that transition. And now I look at it and I, I used to be the single guy looking from the outside, looking in, like nodding my head, like, oh my God, how is this guy doing it? Oh my God, how is that girl doing it? You know, I'm a, all I got is two kids. One of them is my stepson, and the other one is my my daughter. And it's like, Jesus, like Jesus Christ. You know, that was my thoughts on that. But besides that, I mean, just just finding interest. Just wanted to share that thought out. Thought out. So we um, I looked on Facebook last week. On the social media, uh, yeah, my the name of it is Bobito Acewag Woods. I'm trying to change that name. Seems like a little bit too young for me now, but I, I'm just too lazy to do it. It's one of those things you say, oh, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, you just never do it again. But that's my name, Bobito Acewag Woods. I had that name when I was like 23 years old, and that was, you know, again, that was back in my single days out in the club and all this other stuff, but. But now, you know, now I just want it as, as it is. Ace or Hector or whatever the case. But, but again, I, I look on, I look on my, uh, what is it, my news feed, right? I look down and somebody I know close. I don't mention a person's name. Put, puts down, uh, what is it? Like, um, puts down a statement saying, no, question, if religion is meant to bring people together. Why does it tear so many families apart? And a lot of people, you know, comment and say, oh, you know, religion does this. Religion has destroyed my family. And I've seen it. I've seen people say that. And I've seen people, I've seen it firsthand. I thought it was intriguing, interesting, and misconstrued at once. My take, okay, so my take on, on that statement alone is that, again, I don't fault people for saying that. I just think, though, you really need to take a look at the whole situation because each situation in that is different, right? So I believe if you have a strong relationship with someone, no matter what the difference is, no matter what, it's not going to break you apart. It's like in a marriage. Me and my wife could have all our differences. If we're meant to be together and our love is strong, we'll conquer that. We, we can make it through that. You know what I mean? Like, my wife may like such and such clothing brand, and I may like another clothing brand. And they may be rivals. You know, it doesn't matter because that's not going to affect our relationship. Now, you say, okay, religion is a little bit more serious. Because their belief. Me personally, I often look at those situations from from a firsthand person that knows the families of most of those situations that families have been broken down and you know have been torn apart. And I have to say, a lot of that is the the family itself had flaws within them like there was something that was there's something that was wrong say the mother father and say there's a, a, a what is it 
a mother and father and two sons, right? And like midway, you know, they were close and then midway they found their religion. The kids were 15 and let's say 10, 15 and 10 years old. Fast forward two years and they get older and stuff like that. The kids were never into the religion, but the mother and father were. I don't believe just two years of them finding a religion, like, you know, that's it, you know, you're disregarded and it tore them apart. I find that very hard to believe because I believe and oftentimes knowing the families that they had their flaws too. Like the mother had their had her flaw, the father had his flaw. The two sons have their flaws. They already had their differences with other things. They already had their their quarrels. They already had their arguments on other things. Is that with religion, I do give religion or anything big like that is going to expose that to the point where it's like, you know what? We're just not going to deal with each other anymore. There are families that are torn apart because... Maybe that same son went with uh, with a girl that the mom married a girl the mom doesn't like, or what the father doesn't like. Like if you're not a strong enough family, it could be several things that tore tore apart that family because the family had flaws within them to begin with. It's people have to pay attention to that. I, I don't again. A lot of people want to blame this and this and other people and outside influences and religion and this and that and money or blame money for tearing families apart. I don't believe I used to believe that. But the problem is when you look at those families, they had flaws to begin with. They had problems to begin with. You know, I'll go to my cousins. I'm again, this is not. We're, we're not estranged, we're not, but again, we don't have the relationship, I don't have the relationship I used to with my cousins, but some of them, it, it's not because of anything in particular, it's not because my cousin's wife, it's not because my cousin's job, it's not because, it's not because of my wife, it's not because of my belief. It's, it's because, one, we, we, you know, we're, we're growing, it's called maturing, it's called being an adult. <laughs> we live far apart, that's two. And then three, I, I think we, again, we, again, there's no problems, but we live life, we all live life differently. Like, I don't agree with how, not agree, but I don't see myself living my life the same way they do, and it's vice versa. And again, there's no problem with that. I think the problem, though, is when you is when people try to make the other person do go by their way. And that could be on either side. It's the person that found a new religion that's trying to force people in it. Or it could be the person that's trying to get the person out of their religion. And there's no boundary. There's no, okay, you know, I'm going respecting a step back. Again, this is in general. This is, I'm just generalizing from what I've seen in most situations. You know, 
Like, me and my mom. I'll, I'll give you me and my mother. My mother doesn't agree with everything I do, and I don't agree with things my mother has done. That's for every kid and parent on this earth. But here's the thing that I would say. Me and my mother have an awesome bond. Have an awesome bond. And we both have learned to adjust and respect each other's decisions. We have both come to a common ground. Okay, you're this, but I'm going to respect it. And we both, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we both love each other so much that we're not going to let this and this get in the way of that. It's, it's just, you find a way for, for things you love. You find, a, and again, a lot of people are just like, are stuck in the, in the, in the meaning of my way, or he doesn't do it my way, he or she doesn't do it my way, they're cut off. That's what we're stuck in, ladies and gentlemen. So to me, when people say that about religion, again, religion is also too what you make of it. You have to remember that. Religion is also what you make of it. You know, if a person was, was, was a jerk before the religion, Oh, or was a jerk. It was a religion or a church you went to and, I, and you, you met a jerk. Guy was a jerk. Behind closed doors, he was a jerk. Most likely before the religion, guys, ladies and gentlemen, he was a jerk before then. You know? He was a jerk before then. So you have to look at that. You can't be... Again, we get into... Then that goes into the, to the idea of stereotyping. That's how racism goes. Uh, has been... Formed, you know, that's what happens. You know, a lot of people, you know, that's like saying, you know what, a black person robbed my store five years ago, so now I don't trust any black person that goes in my store. That's the same thing. People gotta realize that concept, it's the same thing. You know, that's like saying, you know what, you know. That's like if you have a wife and you have a wife and she cheated on you with for African American. And then you say afterwards, well, African Americans destroyed my home. No, ladies and gentlemen, your relationship was flawed to begin with. You think it was going to be all peaches and cream? No, it was just going to be something else that got in the way. And people don't realize that. People don't realize that. Again, you have to, again, psychologically to not look at themselves, they have to blame something else. I, I was that way. I was that way. You have to look at something else. That's what we're trying. That's the human element. You have to blame somebody else. So that's my thoughts on, on that, on that whole thing with religion. Um, again, whatever... People want to, whatever people are into, that's fine. Me personally, you know, I'm going to have my beliefs, but I've never been the type to say, to say you know what, you got to do it my way or you got to do it this way. You know what I mean? Like you have to do it this way or that way, because at the end of the day, I found it. The more you do that again, the more torn apart that relationship is going to be. And then before you know it, you got, you have resentment, you got Again, you have torn families, as is, uh, as the individual had stated. You know, religion isn't 
Um, let me see. How can I say this? Religion is is I get what you make of it, and I don't want to believe that you know. I just don't believe that, man. I never wanted to believe that money or something or you know had to do with that. Again, the relationship from the very beginning was flawed. So what happens is, so what's the solution to me is talk about it, but also too, I think people need to work on their own personal flaws and see that because if they don't see it, it's going to be something else. That's how families have gotten broken, you know? And I, throughout the years, I've always took the time to analyze myself. And that's the hardest thing anybody could ever do is analyze themselves and say, you know what? I messed up or I could change, you know. But hey, when you're in a relationship, especially when you're in a relationship with somebody, you got to do that. Like, I have, especially me, I have a wife and kids. So I have to evaluate myself all the time. All the time. I can't say, well, you know what? I can't say, well, my, my son's, my stepson's friends is, is the cause of, of whatever riff we may have. No, I, there's something within our dynamic. I'm just saying if there was problems, you know what I mean? I can't go to this person and that person and this person and that person. You always got to look at, you always got to look deeper and look at, and look within the circle. So this is my thoughts on that. So, okay, so we go to Cream Hunt. I mentioned that earlier. Cream Hunt was, what is it? Released by the Chiefs, by a good team, in February. I want to say February. No, no, not February. I'm sorry. February is this month. Probably a few months back. Let's just say a few months back. And, you know, he, a very good running back, very great player, Pro Bowl running back. Release him because of the video. He was, uh, you know, he was found kicking a woman in the face. You know, he pushed her. Very disturbing image. Uh, again, watch the video to see what I was seeing what I'm talking about. The Brown Cleveland Browns signed him yesterday to a one-year deal. Again, he could serve a suspension of ten games and then come back, or he's eligible to come back. Me personally, I, I'm gonna go to Kareem Hunt first and how I feel about domestic violence. Cowards due to domestic violence. I'm sorry. Men that hit women are cowards. They're punks. I have no, you know, I have, I've seen and heard and dealt, not dealt with um, myself, but like I've seen a lot of that growing up. And Nobody in particular has seen it a lot and with as far as domestic violence and men that hit women, especially when when there's alcohol involved or whatever the case, lack self self-control, have no composure. Um, and again, they they're not men. You know, they're they're not. And I've always felt this strongly because I've seen it. And I don't, again, I don't approve of it by any means. Me personally, he, sh- he shouldn't have a job. That's how I feel. Because there was no reason for him to do what he did to that woman. 
happened to that girl. Okay, so, but again, this is the NFL. <laughs> NFL has their reputation. Again, you get, again, you can sign Kareem Hunt, but you can't sign Colin Kaepernick. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not going to touch that, but I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. So, people are going to do that. People are going, you know, NFL owners are going to do that because they're all about winning. But to me, that's, it's just a, a disturbing image. It's a disgusting thing. And, you know, no matter what, you should never hit a, a woman, a, a girl. Never hit the opposite sex. That's just me. Two... The women out there. I think, I guess she didn't deserve to get hit. But what I do, judging by that woman's behavior and being told on the reports of that woman's behavior that instigated it, I think she should never work again as well. Or not work again, but it should be very hard for her to get a job as well. Like, uh, to me, Women have to be held more accountable because just because you're smaller than the guy, and you know that individual, the the man is the physical dominating man, sometimes won't hit you back. You could be just as much as a bully as well because you know that, so you keep doing it. Again, men, I, I said it, men have to hold their composure. Women, you have to hold your composure too. I don't want to hear about hormones. I don't want to hear about 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 all these feelings and you know you lose emotional. I don't want to hear that. I don't. I don't want to hear that. You have to be held to a standard. You have to be held to to an equal amount of standard of culpability. And again, she didn't deserve it. I'm not condoning it. This is how, if I was Kareem Hunt, I would have walked away. I would have recorded her and made sure she would have never worked again. That's just me. That's how I would deal with it. You would, she would have never worked in that town again. She would have to move to, to the other side of the world. Okay, especially if she called him the N-word like it's been reported. Oh, I mean, especially in social media. See, Kareem Hunt, this is what happens when you take in alcohol, ladies and gentlemen. You don't think. This is what happens when you're emotional, ladies and gentlemen. You're not, and you don't, you don't think. You don't think. This guy could have totally gotten the best of the situation. Especially, he could have. He won. He won. He won this. But the girl came back. You've seen it. You've seen it with very smart people. Smart people don't get put in bad situations like that. So. That's, that's why I think. I think he should have done that. And wherever that girl works for. And she's still young too. Oh yeah. She. Well. She won't. She wouldn't have a future. Nope. I can tell you that right now. She wouldn't have a future. And. You know. It's just. Again. That girl has to be held to a standard. Again. That girl should be. Held to a standard. People, future employers should look at that. And deny her. Employment. If she's if she's working now, then she should be fired. I know that happened a few months ago. That from not a few months ago. I know that happened from a year ago. But 
Again, you gotta. If Kareem Hunt is going to take the punishment, because he took the punishment, I know people say, well, he got signed. He's still going to do rehabilitation. I want to know what that girl's going to do. Is that girl going to do anger management classes? Is she going to, you know, not call people the N-word? If she, is she going to any classes at all? Is that girl going to any classes at all? We got to hold, listen, we got to hold these women accountable. Just like I'm willing to hold a man accountable and call him a coward, I'm going to call women a, coward, uh, uh, a girl a coward as well. Because this is not right. You don't, knowing that the guy most likely now in this situation, he did hit you back. But in half the situations, men are not going to hit you back. There's a large percentage, I mean, there's a percentage that won't hit you back. So, so again, you knowing that, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, I don't care how emotional you get. I'm the type of person, no matter what, you can't be, you can't let the emotion take over you. Especially with a situation like that. You got alcohol on you, you got whatever. And then at the end of the day, they don't, it's probably about nothing. And it turned into something big like, like the video. And now a guy is paying for it. And then the girl, nobody knows because everybody's accused. Well, well, he's the football player. He held to a, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. No, the girl has to be held accountable too. The girl has to be held accountable too. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, yeah. The, what was I going to say? Um, so I'm watching this right now about, um, Jason Tatum, uh, again, uh, going to the Lakers trade, it didn't happen with Anthony Davis and like half their team, but, um, a lot of players are giving the, a lot of people are giving the Pelicans flag cause they didn't deal them, deal with them. I got, like I said, again, I'm glad the Pelicans did that because one, you know, again, they have a year and a half. So even if they don't get nothing done by next year's offseason, Anthony Davis is still on the contract for one for one year after this one. So what's the rush? Now it's a rush for the Lakers, but who cares? You're the Pelicans, who cares? Nobody told the Lakers to sign an aging LeBron James. Okay, that wants that's patient, impatient, and if you don't and you know you'll do things his way, he cries and moans and all the other stuff, and he wants the team, the coach fired, the mascots fired. Nobody told you to sign that guy. I don't know. That, that's just me. But, again, I don't even think the Lakers, who, who the Lakers going to get? Because, really, they don't have to do anything with the Lakers. They could go and straight up trade Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis. And to me, that's a better fit for Boston. Too good. Boston would do that trade. If you do straight up for Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis, that's that's a good trade to me for Boston. You could even throw one more player in it. You could throw in Gordon Hayward, Gordon, Hay- Gordon Hayward and and um, Jason Tatum for that. I wouldn't do. I would do that for Anthony Davis. I wouldn't go do Anthony Davis for four four players and two first round picks. 
But I will do it for, for that. I will do Anthony Davis for that. Absolutely. Okay. So, again, um, I'm, another thing that's annoying me is we do this a lot. We, we overreact to a quarterback's first year in the NFL. So, my favorite player coming out of last year draft was Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is going to be the most consistent quarterback. I like, a lot of people say he's arrogant. You know, he, he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Me, for that position, I don't mind that. You know, the guy is sharp. He's a young, smart young kid. To me, he has bravado. He could command a, a huddle. To me, he was the best. To me, he's in the long term. I know Johnny Manziel had, had a great year last year. But I think he's going to be a more consistent quarterback coming out of that class. And again... Arizona's team, and I thought he would be in a good situation last year. They were horrible. Jesus Christ, he, that line was horrible. They didn't give him time to throw, just to breathe or anything. Most of the time, Josh Rosen was on his backside, man. Seriously. And now they're overreacting because now they're talking about drafting this guy. Uh, what's this guy's name? Tyler Murray. I'm a little bit skeptical of Tyler Murray only from the simple aspect of he could be good, but the thing is you, for a guy that runs around a lot and then you had a line that, that had protection problems with a, with a behind the center, with a, not a shotgun quarterback, but under center, a pocket quarterback. You're going to get a guy that's going to run more likely, that is light as day, probably going to get hit. They want to trade Josh Rosen for that. Listen, Jared Goff under, what is it, uh, the, the quarterback killer's name, the coach, uh, Jeff Fisher. Oh, I was never big on Jeff Fisher, man. Most overrated coach of all time. <laughs> Okay, he he was the worst coach that ever kept a job for a certain amount of time. I don't know how, he knew people or whatever, but that's neither here or there. So, Jared Goff, they fired Jeff Fisher and they got somebody else by the name of uh, Sean McVay. They're pretty good. Last two years, um, they just went to the Super Bowl. They didn't do well in the Super Bowl, but Jared Goff shows you he can play. Borderline Pro Bowl quarterback. So, with that being said, I mean, I think Josh Rosen could be the same situation. But Arizona wants to trade him, that's fine. But you know what I really want, what I really like? Because we didn't, we didn't draft a quarterback last year because I'm a Giants fan. Let me, let me stop before I drag on. I'm a long-time Giants fan. Love the Giants. But we haven't been good in the last few years. At least last few years. I'm sorry. I said Tyler Murray. Kyler Murray. That's a, that's a quarterback that Arizona's thinking of drafting. Sorry. Again, they already got Josh Rosen. But he didn't work out his first year in the NFL because... They think it's because of Josh Rosen. He's a bust or whatever. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, with that being said... The Giants desperately need a quarterback. My team that I adore needs a quarterback. They are number six in the draft order. Okay. 
if Tyler, if Kyler, I keep saying Tyler, if Kyler Murray is there at number six, take him. Oh, see, but the thing is, okay, so the Cardinals are at number one. So, me personally, I will get, I will honestly get, if I'm the Giants, I will see, if they get Kyler Murray at number one, if I'm the Giants, I will look for a trade. I will try as hard as I could, and I will trade anybody, my sixth pick or whatever. So, the Cardinals could have picks one and six. That's a pretty good draft. For the Cardinals. But you gotta give me Josh Rosen. If they take Kyler Murray at number one, oh, I'm going if I'm the Giants GM, give me Josh. Give me Josh Rosen. Give me Josh Rosen. They're talking about Josh Rosen going to the Patriots. I don't believe that's happening. Because Tom 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 was flipping out with Garoppolo and Tom was going to the owner. I don't think that's gonna happen. And Tom plans on playing for four four more years, so at least, so I don't think that's happening, but Eli has to go, I've been saying this long and hard, Eli, please go home, now, if you want to, if we get Josh Rosen, and Eli, you want to stay there, and finish your season out, whatever, you, again, Eli is washed up, man, like, Giants fans, get over it, I'm a Giants fan, but get over it, he's washed, if you see the throws he makes, it's well behind the receiver. There's no velocity on the long ball. He can't throw long anymore. And we have all these outside good pieces. We have old, we have uh, Barkley. We have Odell Beckham. We have the other, uh, what is it? Not Smith. Uh, again. We have, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Beckham. Uh, we have the tight end. I, I got to get back his, uh, I got to get his name. But he looks promising, you know, and it's it's crazy how we have all these weapons, but you know they keep saying our oh, line, our line, our line. Even when Eli has time, man, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do well. Like he doesn't do anything spectacular, you know. He doesn't. And this is this is what's frustrating about that. To me, give me Josh Rosen. He'll be motivated. He'll be the best thing for us. I promise you that. Evan Ingram, that's who it was, the tight end for our Giants. And we Russell uh, Sterling Shepard, that the other receiver, which is he's a pretty good player as well. Okay, we have Nate Soldier, which not bad. Will Hernandez is promising in our line. Uh, Spencer Pulley, Chad Wheeler's okay. Again, our center and right guard is not that impressive, but our line ain't bad either. You know what I mean? But I just think, you know, they need somebody to blend. The line, the line doesn't... And they... Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think they're as bad as everyone thinks, but we'll, we'll see. Okay? Saquon Barkley, I'm happy we got him. I just think the need for quarterback was need, was greater. But... We still have a chance to get Josh Rosen, guys. I've been saying it last year. Get Josh Rosen. He's going to change things. I I keep saying it. You may not like the guy's personality or what he says about politics or whatever, but the guy wins you games. The guy's going to win those games. 
and he could handle the New York media. He could handle it. He shrugged his shoulders. Next play, I love the kid's bravado. Get him, guys. <laughs> please. Please, stop, stop thinking Eli's going to be like Tom Brady and play until he's 45 because he he's not going... He he's not gonna go that far. Eli Manning will be listen. Eli Manning's done, guys. Face it, he's done. Okay, so again, of course I had to go to sports. We talked on a few few things today. Again, that's pretty much it for for that. Um, again, I'll be doing more subjects and topics. Thursday, as far as it goes, um, yeah, we'll be talking. We'll be talking about uh, several things on Thursday. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you all of them now, but just stay tuned. Yeah, this is uh, Ace Podcast. Hope you enjoy your day. I'm out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ace's Realm. Again, um, trying to think of a different names for my show. So again, I want to stick with that for now. Again, um, anybody that knows me personally or has my number, text your ideas. I'm not gonna put my whole phone number on blast, but just text me a few of your ideas. Again, I'm liking what I'm doing for the last uh, seven episodes of my podcast. I'm sorry, six episodes of my podcast. Very excited. Um, today we'll be talking about various sports topics. You will hear my thoughts. On, on the Boston Celtics and what I think of their dysfunction. You will hear my thoughts on how my New York Giants could get fixed, could be a top team again. You will hear my thoughts on the career of Dwayne Wade and what I think of his farewell tour, what the Miami Heat needs to do as far as getting back in contention as well. But we start with this. So the NBA is uh, it's almost ending. And you pretty much know, particularly on the West, uh, you pretty much know the Golden State Warriors. They have their stuff figured out, and they pretty—I think—they're just gonna win the West. They'll have some contention, they'll have some competition, but pretty much, I think they—they they will win the West. The East, I don't know. You look at Milwaukee. You look at Boston. I mean, not Boston right now. A lot of people are down on the Boston Celtics, but you look at the Seventy Sixers. And you look at, you know, uh, what is it, the Toronto Raptors, and you look at the 76ers as well. And, again, Indiana is like a third place, but nobody believes they're going to go anywhere. I sure don't. Um, So the East is very different than the West. The East, you don't know what's going to come out of the East. Um... Toronto, I'm not big on because I know from they got a deep bench. They got two good players, three good players. They added Marcus Hall. So it's pretty good, and a lot of it is coming upright for them. I, I, I just don't think that, again, Kyle Larry has had bad playoff appearances, and Kawhi Leonard gets injured at the wrong time. So... I don't know. There's something about that team in Toronto that always makes me worry. Like, usually they do have the good teams, but then something happens in the postseason that 
makes me say, oh, that's why. There's something that's missing still. Uh, Milwaukee, nine up playoff experience. Uh, Giannis is great. Uh, Milton, I like Milton. Drew Bledsoe. I mean, not Drew Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, their point guard, who I've been hard on for many years, has been has deeply improved and is playing the point guard position like he's supposed to. I like uh, Brogdon at the two. Tony Snell coming off the bench. It's a pretty good team. I just think they're too young. Um, 76ers. I do like them, however. I do like them. I do think the biggest X factor out of every... The, um, as far as a player, one player in the Eastern Conference that could affect everything. The shifts of power. Get ready. It's not Giannis. It's not... It's not Joe Embiid, it's not Ben Simmons, it's not Kawhi Leonard, it's not Kyle Larry. It's Jimmy Butler. And the reason for that is Jimmy Butler dictates where this thing goes. And, well, Jimmy Butler and then I'll say the ability of Ben Simmons making a jump shot. Right? So, I say Jimmy because how he plays. A lot of people in the beginning and then how he handled the Minnesota debacle was he didn't handle it very well. He didn't. So they look at that, you know, he trashed his teammates. He called out management. He's a team cancer. Now, you know, you hear him when he got traded here. He didn't fit well. He must have been a star. He's playing for a contract. So he's trying to be, he's trying to get his numbers up. You know, he got into it with the coach. But... If you look at Jimmy Butler play, there's times where I look at him and he's too unselfish. They're too unselfish. Sometimes these reporters just look for a story and I get it. But to me, just looking at it from afar, Jimmy's trying and Jimmy's a winner. Jimmy's a winning player. I don't care about he's too tough or he's a team cancer and call out Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. You're going to see where Wiggins' career goes, and you're going to see where Carl Anthony Towns' career goes. Let's have that conversation again in 10 years. Okay? So, that's all I would say to Coach Kyle Perry that wanted to call Jimmy Butler out. Listen. Listen, no, nobody's trying to, to hurt your number one draft pick's feelings. Okay? But... The truth is the truth. Listen, Andrew Wiggins is soft and Carl Anthony Towns just plays for numbers. I mean, it shows. It shows that he's not there. You know, everybody was like, oh, they're, making, they're playing better without Jimmy Butler and they're going to make a playoff run. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They're not going to make no playoff run. You know who, Minnesota? No. The Wolves? No. Timberwolves ain't making it nowhere. Nowhere. Okay. And until they put their franchise on somebody else, to other players, those players are extremely, extremely flawed. I'll take Jimmy Butler any day of the week. Any day of the week. So, Jimmy got traded to the 76ers, which I thought was a good pick. A lot of people didn't. And I like how he's fitting in. He's being more of a playmaker. He's not trying to just chuck up jump shots. Um, he's playing hard. He's playing off the ball. He's learning. 
You know, he's he's tough, he's gritty, he fits with the personality of the coach and the city and the team. Jimmy's going to be alright, because his numbers are down, and he is not scoring the way he used to. Right now, he's feeling it out. When you're on a new team, especially a talented team, you want to feel everybody out. So, right now, in order for this to work, because now, now you got Tobias Harris... Who needs the ball? Who's the scorer? So now somebody has to sacrifice. Right? Ben can shoot. So Ben has to be good in transition. Joel B needs the ball. And Tobias Harris is hot is shooting the lights out right now. Particularly from three point range. He's in the high thirties, I think thirties thirty eight percent, which would do it. And he's doing really good in the system. So the one that has to sacrifice, really, is Jimmy Butler. Because now, what he's doing, honestly, is helping Ben Simmons out in the playmaking department. Getting everybody involved. You know, doing the little things. Putting more time on defense. He is sacrificing his game, guys, before our very eyes. Now, in the postseason, which is great. Because now he's not overexerting himself. He will become a more... Um, he'll score more points. He will score. He will help him out a little bit more in that department. But man, if he goes how I'm projecting him to and Jimmy gets better and better and better, oh, this team, the Sixers, could, could very much win the Eastern Conference. I really mean that. I mean, Jimmy's that important to me. In the Eastern Conference, Jimmy Butler is the X factor out of anybody. Because Jimmy Butler works, and Jimmy Butler gets better. Jimmy Butler gets better, and he balances between being selfish and unselfish, like he's doing now. Become a little bit more aggressive. Like, when you have open shots, don't turn it down and then make another extra pass. When you do that... When he does that, and he just flows with the offense, and he's playing his game along with that, oh, this team, this team, the sky's the limit, man. I I really love what what I'm seeing from Jimmy, and much credit to Jimmy Butler, man. Um, as far as that goes, um, Toronto. Now I do. How can I say this? Kawhi Leonard is a great player. Um, Kyle Larry, I think, is really relished under this new system. Um, he's he's a leader. He's one of my favorite point guards to watch. He competes hard. Kawhi, though, I question how bad he really wants it. I do because there's this one thing, like, if he gets nicked, I, I hate to say this, but is he going to go out again? Is he thinking about himself? And that's cool if he is. I mean, you know... There's times in the playoffs you won't have to play Nick. You can't play back-to-back games. And, I mean, you can't say... You, you can't miss back-to-back games. So, what's going to happen then? You know? And what does that do for the chemistry of the team? There's a first-time head coach. So, that's that's a concern for me. Okay, so we go to the Boston Celtics. That's in fifth place. Right? And they've been doing Horrible. Horrible. Last two games have been good. They they had the big win over Golden State. 
They had the big, and then they had a game winner by Gordon Hayward with against the Sacramento Kings yesterday, right? So my thoughts on them and Kyrie and how he's handled everything. You know, he's miserable and, you know, Brad Stevens loves Gordon Hayward too much. You're all types of stuff. This team is dysfunctional. I used to put it past me, but this team is dysfunctional. But I do, what I'm going to say is, is that I think it's unfair to blame Kyrie Irving for everything. For, for everything, for the team being the way it is. Being so inconsistent, the offense looking ugly. It's very unfair to do that. Like, we gave Brad Seaman so much credit for when things were going right. It should be the same thing for when things are going wrong. You have to blame him. You have to put the blame on him. Actually, the blame is on him technically because I think part of the reason why there's so many problems and and the offense is stagnant is because he get he get, gives Gordon Hayward too many minutes. Like to me, Gordon Hayward should play less minutes. To me, and you know, everybody brought up the stat world with Kyrie. They're six and zero, and before the Golden State game, they were saying Kyrie's six and zero. They're six and zero without Kyrie, and they're zero six with Kyrie Irving. I think honestly, it looks that way. But if you look at them, Kyrie Irving is not the problem. Now he's part of the problem, but I'm not absorbing him from anything. But he is. But he is not the main reason. The main reason when you put Gordon Hayward that didn't play with this team last year, you know, he's still trying to figure out his way. And you got to remember something, too. It gets in the way of Jason Tatum. If you notice, Jason Tatum has regressed a lot this year. And I'm also going to put the blame on Jason Tatum because he takes too many bad shots. This guy takes too many bad shots, questionable shots. This dude doesn't move the ball at times. He doesn't move off the ball enough. And when you have Kyrie Irving, you got to move off the ball. So you have that. Jason Brown, too. That's also uh, Jalen Brown, I'm sorry, is, is um, getting affected by Gordon Hayward's minutes because of that. So, you know, to me, lineup-wise, I would put Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, I don't know why they have Marcus Smart out there. And this is no offense to Marcus Smart, but he's a playmaker. So he can't shoot off the ball. Especially when you have Kyrie, you want a person to play off the ball to be or to cut good off the ball. Jalen Brown plays better with Kyrie Irving because he cuts and shoots off the ball better. Yeah, and then you got you still got the defense from Jalen Brown. Uh Jason Tatum. And then you keep Morris and you keep Al Horford. Now, what I would do is put Gordon Hayward, I would give, um, what is it, Marcus Smart more minutes than Gordon Hayward because he just, Gordon Hayward to me is too much at times one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. And then when he's not scoring, what good is Gordon Hayward? You know what I mean? There's plenty of times Jalen Brown's gone bad, you know, He's still effective, you know. 
And the other guys, when they have bad games, they're still effective. I also do think they need to involve Al, Al Horford more in the playmaking. Al Horford needs to be more aggressive in passing the team, his teammates. Just playmaking, just scoring, just anything from Al Horford would be good for them. He's their, you know, he's one of the older vets. He needs to do good. Um, again, Marcus Smart. Uh, needs to again. Marcus Smart needs to be on the bench. Again, um, he's really not the problem. Just where he is. Um, but also too, you gotta look at. Now I'm gonna go to Kyrie Irving. The only thing I absorb, I, I, I'm gonna blame Kyrie Irving for two things. For one, how he's handled the situation in the media and and stuff like that because it hasn't been great. He hasn't handled it the best. But he's not used to it. I'm going to get back to that. Second, Kyrie Irving does dribble a lot at times. But what makes Steph Curry great and what makes Golden State go and everybody follows is the point guard playing off the ball. Now, we understand Kyrie Irving ain't the shooter that stuff is, but he's not. Listen, Kyrie Irving is on right. He's a great shooter too, you know. So, like Kyrie Irving used to play with LeBron, right? So he knows this. He knows how to play off the ball because he had LeBron, who was a dominant ball handler. So at times, Kyrie Irving, a lot of times, had to play off the ball. So to me, Kyrie Irving has to be interchangeable, and at times, not always be the one. To do the playmaking. At times he could be. He could play off the ball. He has the ability to do it. He has the ability to. Run behind screens. I've seen a couple of plays. Where they were doing that for him. A few plays. So he's playing in sync. When you have Kyrie Irving doing that. And the rest of that team playing in sync. Like you saw at Golden State. You saw it. It could happen. It saw it. You saw it. When they play like that. Oh, that team is a number one team in the Eastern Conference. But when they're playing one-on-one and Gordon Hayward's doing this and Jason Tatum's playing bad shots and Jalen Brown is trying to make the best of his minutes, so he's trying to drive in on two people and now Horford doesn't want to shoot, you know. So, you know, when you have that, you get fifth place. <laughs> what do you get? You get fifth place. You know, so... That's the only thing I would say to that man. It's um I was very dysfunctional. Very so okay, so to that I would say when they asked Kyrie Irving about the team, you know, first off, he did he messed up when he threw his team under the bus and he said, you know, I called LeBron James and I apologized to him because of how how, how I was. To me, he indirectly put his teammates under the bus. Pretty much saying, I'm LeBron James. You need to listen to me. Don't be like me and not listen to him. You know, so the first mistake was you comparing yourself to LeBron James. And second was LeBron James is a lot older. Kyrie, you're only a few years... You're only a few years older than these guys. So you guys are around the same age. I think when you come off as a guy, and and I've seen this, 
when you come off as the smartest man in the room syndrome, I don't think Kyrie has an arrogant, like, maybe a little bit, but I don't think he has, like, an arrogant, I'm a better ball player than you type of thing. Like, you have athletes that are arrogant and think, I'm better than you because I'm just stronger, faster, and quicker than you. I don't think Kyrie Irving has that arrogance. But I think he has the arrogance of, I'm smarter than you, you know, I read and I follow world issues and I look into and I read up on stuff and, you know, I'm an intellectual and stuff like that. And I get it. I get it. You know, when I was a little bit younger, I was like that. So I get it. I see that a lot of my, myself in that. The only thing is, though, when you, when you are like that, you'll become as unrelatable to people. Awkward. Which is happening here. You're out of place. And if you're an accountant, that's great. <laughs> you know, if you do a job where it doesn't require you to work on a team, that's great. Individual sport, that's great. You're on a team with 11 other personalities. So you kind of don't want to do that. Now, Kyrie Irving is going to be Kyrie Irving. I'm not telling him to not be Kyrie Irving because we all love, I love the way he is. I actually like that about him. He's not your typical athlete, airheaded, that doesn't know anything. I actually like that. The only thing is, you know, he comes off as, I'm wise and you're not. You need to learn from me. I'm this. What are you guys doing? Type of thing. It comes off as you like, oh, you're better than us. Like, that's what the his other teammates are going to be saying. You know? When they, go, they could easily say to him, wait a minute, we got to the Eastern Conference Last year without you. Last year without you. So, you have to take that into account too. And I would say that to, to Kyrie or anybody that's the best player on their team. Like, you don't want to become unrelatable. The best thing about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, okay, and even I'll go to basketball. Steve Nash was a great leader, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Was that they were, they were relatable. They didn't take themselves so seriously. You know, they were great leaders. They were a great people person. And that's what Kyrie's struggling with right now. And also, too, Kyrie Irving has never had to be that before. He just had to do one job and one role. And that was close, play off the ball, and, and basically score. He didn't have to worry about people's feelings, his teammates' feelings, or dealing with the media, or dealing with the coach. No, because LeBron handled all that stuff. So, he has to, now he's learning. He's learning how to do that. He's learn, he has to learn, and he hasn't handled it. Like he told the media, you guys are just looking for sound bites. That's what happens when, you, when you're the best player on your team. Especially in the year of free agency, and your team has expectations. That's what comes with it. You have to expect that. You have to almost expect it. Yes, these guys are going to be looking for clickbait and sound bites, but you also give it to them. So you could easily diffuse it, be boring if you want to, be sarcastic. Me, I would have fun with them, but that's just me. You know, it's just. When Kyrie Irving has to learn how, and he will, he's, he's going to learn how to be. He'll learn to be a true leader over time, and, you know, he'll get it. He, he's a smart individual, that I could see. 
Okay, so with that being said, it's not good to do that. Also, too, he was um again, he shouldn't put his he shouldn't put his teammates under the bus because what that also does is it also gets in the way of their chemistry. Now the other teammates don't even want to play. It's just a lot of disconnect. So uh, maybe a team meeting would be great. I would do it. Maybe Kyrie could say, if I were Kyrie Irving, I would say, listen, I will own up and say, listen, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I just want to win like you guys. Let's be all in. Let's forget all this stuff and start over. And I think they should be fine. I think those guys would get over. And I think the coach, with him refiguring out the lineup, I think those two things need to happen for them to be on a run. Okay, let's go to another segment that's dear to me, very dear to me, my New York Giants. I've, um, again, I'm a Giants fan, been a Giants fan for about 12, 13 years. Again, I've been with Eli through it all, and I love Eli. Eli Manning is is a great quarterback. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer. Um, if you guys want to debate him being a Hall of Famer, I wouldn't argue that because I'm trying to try to be completely objective. So, I don't hate Eli, but he needs to go. It is time for him to go. And you Giants fans. Need to quit your stupidity. It seems like I'm the only objective one. You guys need to quit your stupidity. We need to move on. I hate. Repeat me. I hate. And I'm speaking passionately as a New York Giants fan. I hate that we kept this old fart for too long. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know why the NFL believes in why. Teams believe in doing this. They keep an NFL quarterback for too long. But with running back, forget it. The minute he loses a step, they get rid of him. Release. Wide receiver, release. Linebacker, release. Thomas Davis, Panthers. Best player ever in that franchise. One of the best ever. Release. Steve Smith, release. You know, like, they release him like flies. That's why I don't get they released Steve Smith, but yes, Steve Smith still play at a high level. And Baltimore. Baltimore Ravens. Jerry Rice, they released him. He still had four more good years in him. But yet, with this guy, Eli, who's been over the hill for years, we kept him. We haven't won the Super Bowl since 2000 and... I want to say 12. 12. Since 2012... He had a good couple of seasons after that, but it's been plummeting. Are you kidding me? It's been plummeting. And you guys, John says wants to say, it's the line, it's the coach, it's this. Get rid of Coughlin. Remember what you wish for. They forced that man to resign. I said, there it goes. There's the end of it. And then you got a coach who's never been a coach before. That was Ben McAdoo that looks like a Cartoon character. 
You got that dude that looks like a cartoon drawing. You got him coaching for a year. This dude was horrible. This coach was horrible. Horrible. But yet, he coached for two years. Horrible. He's supposed to coach offense. It was our defense that made us go to the postseason. Eli then sucked. Went to our postseason get got smacked by the Green Bay Packers. Eli didn't have nothing that game. Eli hasn't had nothing for three years. No. The line. The offensive line. Really? Really? It was the offensive line. Yeah, they're not the best line in the league. This is for fans that don't look at the game and don't study it. When you look at Eli Dwight, have you ever, when do you see Eli try to go 40, 50 yards to a receiver, by the way, who's one of the best deep threats in the league? Oh, it's a line. Have you ever seen him throw to Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham has to reach from the opposite side of his body to the other way from where he's running to reach back to get the ball that's way behind him? Huh, is that Odell's fault? Is that the line's fault? Huh, that that Eli just keeps throwing bad, inaccurate balls, footballs to him. No, it's not Eli's fault. Eli's a good leader. You see him right there? Yeah, Eli, uh, he's a manning. He, he, he's noble. He's this. Come on, guys. You gotta stop with the love affair, man. You gotta stop with the love affair. Like, it's done. It's over. Man, I'm so, I'm so over it. Like, I promise you, man, we don't draft a quarterback this year. Either Tyler Murray or Dwayne Haskett this year. And we say, no, we're good with Eli. And we'll just build up the other quarterback under him. I promise you, I'm going to flip. I'm going to scream. I'll, I'll, I'm probably going to break the, the TV. If I'm watching the NFL draft and I see no quarterback drafted, I'll be screaming. Man, I might I may not watch a Giants game. If they have Eli Manning quarterbacking the New York Giants on opening day, I ain't watching any of their games. Any of their games. Because they're not trying to win. I've been saying the NFL has a huge problem with their quarterbacks with doing this. Teams doing this. Why do you guys keep your quarterbacks way over their prime with uh, the quarterback position? Why? Why do you guys hang on to them too long? Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. Can somebody please explain that to me? I don't get it. The line is not great. Aldell Beckham is immature. They do it. And all those points are legitimate, by the way. But Eli Manning was never his brother, was never Tom Brady. He was never elite. He was uh, in the middle of the pack. Franchise quarterback. He's like, uh, to me, he's like maybe, he's like Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer. 
You know, you want to put him in in the Big Ben sense, you know. He's a quarterback that's going to do his job in his prime. This is in his prime. That do his job, but he's not going to lift the team like an elite quarterback would. Okay, so with that being said, now that his skills are diminishing, he doesn't have the ability to lift the team. So he has no effect. Matter of fact, he has a negative effect. Oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Listen, man. You need to get rid of him. Period. I don't, I don't care if he's a good man. I don't care if he donates a million dollars here, there. I don't care. I don't care. Okay, so this is it. You know, with the Eli. So, first things first for everything, we need a quarterback. So, I've been looking at Tyler Murray. They're talking about he's going to go to Arizona. Um, for the Cardinals and trade Josh Rosen. If I were them, I would trade. This is what I would do, actually. Get ready for this. If Tyler Tyler Murray goes to Arizona, the the Cardinals. Because they're going to trade Josh Rosen, which I don't know why they're going to do that. Because that is the most stupidest thing because the dude could play. He just had a bad O-line. Ask Jared Goff what happened when he got a new coordinator in the O-line. Went to the Super Bowl. Josh Rosen, I would trade a few of my picks. I mean, whatever you can, whatever you got. I will go and try to get Josh Rosen. From the Cardinals. Because they, they're going to trade him anyway. So if I'm the Giants. I would trade away that. I'll probably trade. I will get. Because we're at six. We have the six pick. I would trade my six pick. To Arizona. So I would I could get Josh Rosen. I want Josh Rosen in New York. Yes. I want that guy in New York. I've been saying this since last year. We got Saquon. Which is good. I don't have a problem with Saquon Barker. The problem is, he doesn't address our real issue. It's an upgrade. But here's the thing. We need a new quarterback. So with that, Josh Rosen, to me, was the, to me was the most... I know they're going to say Sam Darnold was the most safest pick, and I would agree with that. But I think the most consistent, has the most ceiling... It's going to be Josh Rosen. All the quarterbacks last year, you had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. So you had all those, you had all those great quarterbacks. I'm still taking Josh Rosen out of all of them, even Baker Mayfield, out of all of them, because you're going to see what he's going to do with a good old line. You're going to see, and he's made for New York. Oh, Josh Rosen is arrogant. He's this. He thinks he's smarter than anybody else. You know? Here's the thing. Every time I saw Josh Rosen get hit, which was a million times a game, (laughs) which is like, I felt bad for him. He got up and wasn't faced. He was like, oh, well, I'll do it again. Arrogant. But he forgot. He made the next play. 
he he made the best of his circumstance. That's the guy I want. Oh yeah, oh coaches can't coach him. You gotta be smart to coach him. So happens with every great player. I love it. Because as long as he cares, I can deal with that. And that shows persistence because you're gonna need that in New York. You don't need that. He's probably gonna be listen, you're the media. You're gonna have to come straight with Josh Rosen because he's he's gonna challenge you. He's gonna challenge you. I love it. I love it. Josh Rosen is our guy. That's the guy I want. He's tremendously accurate. He has a quick release. He does hang on to the ball too much at times. But that could change because he does have a good quick release. He has an arm. Again, he's not athletic. Jared Goff is not that athletic. I see a lot of similarities, which I like. To me, he seems on face. Gets in the huddle. People like him. Got a certain arrogance. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Josh Rosen, man. So, I'm on Josh Rosen as our um, quarterback. Okay? If we care, we need to get an O-line. Our O-line improved a little bit last year. Not that much. We need to improve that. Get the chemistry going. And I think it will be fine. Um, The running back, you know, Saquon Barkley... Don't need to worry about anything there. Uh, wide receiver, I would tag, I would tighten up a little bit, just in case you know somebody wants to go off our team, which is Odell Beckham, which is, which is fine. I mean, he's a playmaker. He's a a heck of a player. You know, I I don't want to lose him, but I'm not gonna be crying either if he goes. You know. Wide receivers are the easiest position to replace to me. Especially, but I would tie up the wide receiver with other decent receivers just in case. Because I think, honestly, we could build around Ingram, the tight end. Because he has tremendous talent. I, I love him last year. You know, so I would do that. That's who I would get. Okay, um, we need our defense. We need our uh, our secondary to be good again. It was good two years ago. So we need, again, we're far from doing that. But, again, we got to get Josh Rosen. Got to get Josh Rosen. I do believe in our coach. I like our coach. I just think that he's not, he didn't have a certain somebody orchestrating his offense the right way. Remember, the same, this same coach made Case Keenum look good. What happened to Case Keenum when he went to another team in Denver? He sucked. So what does that tell you about the coach? He knows what he's doing. He's just, this guy, Eli, is old. Okay, he's old. He's old, man. Okay, so going back to that. Okay, so we're going to go to uh, the Miami Heat. No team I like. I live in South Florida. The Heat doesn't need a whole. They need a whole lot of 
other things. That team needs a whole rebuild, and I'll be happy when this Dwayne Wade thing is over because I think once that happens, they'll go in a new setting and a new and a new um a new direction. I this is what I think of Dwayne Wade. I want to start off with something positive. Dwayne Wade to me was one of my and is and is one of my favorite players that I've ever watched. The guy has all the intangibles you want to win. He's relatable. He's a great, one of the best leaders I've seen. He is an example of a leader. On those Miami Heat teams that won, I know LeBron was the best player, but by far, Dwayne Wade was the leader. Was a leader. A good resemblance of Pat Riley, okay? Or you could say probably the good cop of Pat Riley. To me, I love his farewell tour. Again, it does take away from the team, these whole farewell tours and training jerseys and stuff like that. Because the focus of the team is pretty much on that. So, I'm happy for him, but I'll be happy when this thing is over. Okay, but again, Dwayne Wade, to me, is the best. Is the third best two guards who have ever played a game. Probably the most... The best combo guard I've ever seen. Or one of the most combo guards. Best combo guards I've ever seen. The guy drove in like no other. The guy had one of the best NBA finals I've ever seen. In 2007. When he willed his team back. From old 2 to beat the Dallas Mavericks. Dwayne Wade's a man. Clutch. Diving. Plays defense. Played hard. Played hurt. Yeah, I any more. And again, I'm happy. I went to several of Dwayne Wade's games. I could tell my kids that. I could tell. I could tell people that it was an honor, and thank you. With that being said, I think there's there's a person that has to go though, and I think and I you guys are gonna yell at me for this, but I think it starts up top. I think Pat Riley needs to go. I think Pat Riley's too outdated for this game. I think he's lost touch. I don't think he's updated. And people are going to criticize Phil Phil Jackson for it. Which Phil was on the same level as far as coaches and not better than than Pat Riley was. You gotta we gotta call this guy out, man. I know he's cool, smooth. Relatable, um, Irish, Italian guy with the hair, you know. Listen, with the fancy cars, I saw him in an interview with Dan Labatard. You know, he's relatable, he's this, he made this nice thing. You know, he loves his wife, he always does something romantic for her. It's South Beach, luxury, and all this other stuff. That's great. That's great. But, you know, he's out of touch. Look at the team. They're all like, you notice how that team is built. It's all athletes, all guys that dribble. There's no, you know, Jay, Jay I like uh, Josh Richardson. I love Josh Richardson. That's probably the only player that makes sense. But if you look at all the other players, it's like they play hard. Play, 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 play hard. And play defense. And that team just doesn't make sense. 
They just don't make sense. At times, like, who the ball is going to? You got this player. There's no direction there. But we play hard. We play hard. It's losing touch, guys. It's too much. You know, and Eric Sposer could only do but so much. Eric Sposer's a good coach, but he can't. He's not going to make uh he can't build, he can't, what is it, he can't build, uh, can't build forts, forts or walls, he can't build, he can't build planets, like he's not one of those guys, he's not, and he's not elite, elite like that, he's a very good coach, very good coach, but he's not elite like that, he's not Larry Brown, so, you know, he's, Pat's got to go, man. He made some decisions. He's made. I know a couple of bad breaks went wrong for him with the Chris Bosh deal. You know, nobody knew Chris Bosh was going to get blood clocked, you know. And then LeBron James left the way he did. But you often wonder, because they had their chance to get big players out of free agency. I think Kevin Durant was one of them. Then LeBron left. I think players are don't want to deal with the Pat Riley thing. Remember, players want control too. And I think they don't want this old school guy. It's the same thing with Popovich. Like, a superstar left Popovich. You know what I mean? These guys, yes, they're smart and they this. You know, everything is play hard. And then, you know, everybody loves that. Like, when they're asked about it, oh, they rave about the guy. But it's different complimenting the guy. It's like... It's like me saying, and we'll get in trouble for this. It's like me saying, you know, hey, your wife is great. She's loving. She's this. Oh, my goodness. All right, you marry her then. Go marry her. Let's see how that goes. I'm kidding. But you see my drift, okay? So you may do things and you may say, wow, that person's wonderful. But you know you couldn't be with that person. You couldn't work for that person. Even though you admire them, you still couldn't do it. You know deep inside you can't do it. And that's the problem with Pat Riley. That's the problem with Greg Popovich. They're, they're outdated, guys. Pat needs to step down. He needs to be a young, innovative young man. And that person should be me. Okay? No, I'm kidding. I would take it. Oh, I would take the job. But anyway, Pat needs to go. Or hand it down or whatever he needs to do. Eric Spolstra is good, so he Eric Spolstra could, could stay. I have no problems with Eric Spolstra or the coaching staff. They do what they can, what the pieces they are brought in. Okay. So I want to hit on leadership for a second. Because a lot of players are going through a depression, the main stars in the NBA. You know, oh, we're sad. You know, the commissioner of the league had to comment on it and say pretty much they're under scrutiny and it's high media attention. I I could I could go back to the best players never or the all time greats in any sport really. Particularly team sports never being the best leader. Like you think Michael Jordan was the best leader on his team? Or was a good leader. I mean, he was a good leader. Let me, let me not say that. He was a good leader. But he wasn't a great leader. He wasn't an inspiring, oh my God, I would take a bullet for you leader. He, he wasn't that. You know, 
he wasn't Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, you wanna you wanna die for the ball. You wanna, you know, you wanna go jump in the stands for the basketball for Kevin Garnett. You know, Tim Duncan was was easy going. Tim Duncan was relatable, you know. And it doesn't even have to be a star or a superstar. You know, it doesn't even have to be that. You know, look at Kobe. And Kobe's one of my favorite players, but Kobe wasn't a good leader. Maybe at the end of his career, but he wasn't a good leader. Look at LeBron James. Look what he's doing now, the body language. LeBron is not a good leader. You know, he got away with it because he was winning. You know, and it was everybody else's fault. But now, and this is what I said about the Lakers and being on the West, it exposed him. And being on the type of team he was on where he didn't have, where he couldn't blame, if shooters didn't make the ball, their basket, he couldn't say, well, it's their fault. Because now he had to play off the ball, and it, the style of play wasn't favorable to LeBron. So you saw how he dealt with it. I wasn't surprised, ladies and gentlemen, I told you, he's not that good of a leader. I told you, Dwayne Wade was a real leader of those teams. Just saying. He's a, look, look.